Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Usual three of us here on the weekly show. Dan, Michael, and the unfortunately named Moscow White. <laughs> Enjoying it's, that at the moment? It's spelled with an X. It not is. An you've, S. you've changed it now, haven't you? It's so, the same pronunciation, but it is a different, very separate name. Hmm. Any thoughts to changing it properly? Or is it, is, uh, you're kind of tied to it now, aren't you? It's a, it's a shame. The, uh, the city hasn't attacked anybody, has it? No. If you are not yet a TSB Plus member, have a look at that. Loads of benefits on there, including extra podcasts every week. This week, you've done a quiz. Shit quiz, you shit, said. I, I called it a shit quiz. I think that's probably, that's underselling it because I, I did actually enjoy it's it. It's a good quiz. It's a fine quiz. Yeah, it's about quotes uh, after first matches, first match musings. So which manager said what quote, basically. Mm. Some are easier to pick than others. Um, here's a little taster of that show this week. Which of these 10 people, mainly complete shitheads, <laughs> said, that's maybe harsh, about half of them uh, are, uh, are idiots. Number four. Their goalkeeper was the difference. And I'm not going to say we should have had two other penalties, but we should have had two other penalties. If you fancy having a listen and a watch of that, there's exclusive video as well on the website for TSB Plus members. You can find all the details at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Maybe we should have been laughing enough the back of that. <laughs> That's great, great stuff. Uh, into part one of the show then, and this is, well, it's, it's rapidly just evolving into relegation watch. Isn't it? Because that's kind of the hot topic. As long as we're watching. We are from watching. Afar. Yep. Um, we're another couple of games closer to the end of the season. Got nine games to go now. Uh, it is still a little bit hairy, but hope has been restored, I think, with that victory against Norwich. I think we all understand it's only Norwich and they're not very good, but we've given ourselves the opportunity now to not go down. And every week it gets a little bit easier because I'm not going to put Norwich's fixtures on there anymore because <laughs> there's no point is that they are down. I'm not going to put Crystal Palace on there. Probably don't even need to be looking at Newcastle or Brentford anymore, do we? It's a it's it's a five horse it's, race. It's whittling down, isn't it, week on week? Yes, it's a five horse race. Sadly, we are in it, but you never know. If we go to Wolves and win on Friday, then uh, and we will preview the Wolves game, by the way, in part two of the show. If we do that, then we're probably going to be fine, aren't we? We do just need to pull a result out of nowhere in one of these games, though. We pencil it in for for no points, and then all of a sudden you win, and it's it's such tiny little margins at the moment down there that. Uh, if we go to Wolves and win, it'll be like, okay, yeah, probably staying up then because we'll then need 
one more win out of the remaining eight. It's it's just so tight, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's but it's helped by the fact that Everton are never going to win another game by the looks of it. They do look to be in, in an awful lot of despair. I mean, you know, I know you go through like other fan channels and stuff for for propaganda, but there's been loads of clips doing the rounds this week on socials, and I did see a man setting fire to his own arm. He poured lighter fluid on is, his arm. You did, yeah. Is that because he's he's trying something different, as Jake Humphreys advised? <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. But they're they're not in a happy place at all. And I don't know. Maybe we've just hopefully in terms of the feeling within. I was going to say the group then, but that's not going to come out of my mouth. But the feeling within, you know, the playing um, staff is that maybe they've turned a corner or just emotionally they're in a different space now because you look at Everton's lot and, you know, we looked beaten a couple of weeks ago and we looked beaten against Villa, to be fair, uh, less than a week ago. But games like that Norwich game just fill you with a lot more confidence. It needs such a small burst of momentum to make us safe. That's the thing. Even if, even if we can say... The last six games of the season were crap and we need to get rid of Jesse Marsh. If he can just win as a couple before then, that's actually fine. <laughs> Good luck, Jesse. We're all back in the air. <laughs> you know, it's like when, when Burnley looked dead and buried a few weeks ago and then they won, they won like, I think they got seven points out of nine or something and suddenly they were right back in it and were kind of right behind us again, having had a nice comfortable gap. We just need that soon and everything will be fine. Well, that's it. I mean, if we pull another result out of the bag against Wolves and then win the home game after that, is it Southampton at home after that? then we are sitting pretty. But then we've been saying this all season. We've, we've been saying we've always been like one or two good results. There's probably two good results now away from things being a lot better. Um, but there ain't a lot of happiness going on down there. And I know Watford won at the weekend, but you never get the huge impression with Watford that they're going to go on a big run, do you? They never feel like, they just feel a bit a bit bitty, if you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Southampton have gone really funny as well. And like the, the goal that started it was Southampton just messing about at the back. They basically just passed it straight to... Watford and they scored. They did. They did it twice, didn't they? They managed to. They managed to knacker it up within the space of about five seconds. And then Watford apparently then did absolute world class time wasting. Just the second half was just Watford players on the floor getting attention, and that was it. I saw um, Hodgson after this about saying like, you know, you've still got to have the passion for the game. It's (laughs) like I came out of retirement so I could bore people to death by pretending to be injured and taking five minutes over a throw-in. I think the the big thing that really is standing us in some good stead at the moment is that as dark as things got, even when we were getting absolutely battered in that week of batterings in particular, there's only really the Villa game is probably been the one game where you actually looked at them and thought the team was shot. So there's been one. The rest of the time, there were bad defeats and bad performances, but not of the kind of toxic scale of what's happening at Everton. That's the difference. And I think the... The one thing that the lead squad have kind of had in their favour all the way through is that from the start of the season, they've said, we knew this was going to be difficult. Maybe not this difficult. Maybe they thought, maybe they were saying that, but hoping for better. But there was, there's always been all season leads players saying, yeah, we, we knew this was going to be difficult. We knew it was going to be harder than last time. So there's a bit of preparation for it in the, that idea that I think you saw at the end of the game against Norwich, that they are actually trying to get themselves out of this and there is the pride that I worried about against Aston Villa that they do actually want to get out of this whereas Everton I watched their game against Wolves to see sort of how Wolves were and also to see how bad they were <laughs> it's just it's not there's nothing there if, they, you, if you listen to the audio yeah. version that was Moscow just shaking his shaking head shaking my head yeah you, you would have probably that you will not get that because I shrink all the silences in the show but well, there was a prolonged shake of head there I don't know we I don't even know what to say about them there's, there's just there is nothing there for them that you make you think 
oh, well, that was quite a good performance. Even, you know, we talk about the Spurs game quite a lot as being Bielsa's last and the fact that we could have scored five. And yes, we also could have conceded 10, but Everton just aren't doing anything. Nothing. They've got, they've got a tough run of fixtures coming up as well. They, they play Newcastle next, but then they're into West Ham away, Man United home, Liverpool away, Chelsea home, Leicester away. So if they don't get anything from the Newcastle game, well, if they don't win it, even a draw is kind of useless to yeah. win that. If they, just, then they're, they are in a huge amount of trouble. And Burnley, weirdly, just don't play for ages. They, they, mm. they don't play at all until they play Man City on the second, which you've got to assume they will not get anything from. So no. by, the t- by the time they play an actual winnable game, We'll have played three more, so we could be a nice, comfortable distance from them. Burnley have the advantage as well, and I think there's a risk that they've left themselves too much to do. But because they go through it every season, they know what they're doing in this situation. Mm. Mm. Whereas Everton remind me of us when we dropped down in 2004, where you just never thought it was coming. It's like a it's like a terminal tailspin, isn't it? You can and and that was the fear I think growing at Leeds, and probably is the reason why they sacked Bielsa. Where I mean, I, I tend to lean on the side of thinking we probably would have had enough to stay up, but you know, it's it's unknowable, isn't it? Now, and it's kind of it's it's a moot point. But you look at where they are now, and you do think, where's where is their next win coming from? It might they might be Lampard inspired to get one. Who knows? But, you, you get uh, the feeling like Ashley Barnes though is probably quite up for a relegation yeah. battle, quite loves it. Whereas does Richarlison want? He probably thinking, I don't deserve this. Yeah. I should be a, I should be a good team. This, even, is, this is pathetic, even though he is obviously a huge part of the problem. There. Have you seen their wage bill? There was, I think somebody screen grabbed it on, put it on Wacko. Um, I don't know how accurate these figures are, but there's a lot of six-figure salaries in that squad yeah. and a lot of, of high five-figure salaries. And even, you know, the, uh, the Van der Beek thing is actually, you know, turning out to be, we're lucky that we missed him and Deli Ali as well. Two players that, you know, in their heads, neither of them, were at the clubs they were at because they wanted to be in a relegation battle. Van der Beek thought he was going to be winning Champions Leagues with Scum. Daly Ali th- thought he should be in the Spurs team challenging for the top four. And now they're at Everton. And if they go down, they're only on loan. Although Ali's no, Ali's there permanent. He? Yeah, I was going to say. But, it's a weird arrangement. But does it matter? And there's that business as well that a lot of the speculation about their wages is that and their contracts is that there's no relegation clauses in. And that's the thing is because Everton aren't a club that has ever thought about relegation. Start of the season, they got in Rafa Benitez. And even though a lot of the fans don't like him, they're thinking, okay, we've got a good squad until... He kept a much worse Newcastle team up, didn't he? Yeah, and until uh, Real Madrid came, they had Ancelotti in charge and they were decent last season. So you're getting another Champions League winning coach. The budget was restricted in the summer, but they still added good players. You know, Damari Gray's a good player. Um, and of course, Frank Frank Lampard won the Champions League. Yeah, Jake Humphrey said a lot of the credit should go yep. to him, didn't he? Yeah. So all of that comes together and you're, you're, you're a club looking upwards. And then when it gets to the middle of March and you haven't won for weeks, the players aren't trying, the fans are booing, the manager isn't taking any responsibility and he's blaming all the players. You're relying on these games in hand, thinking, well, we'll win those and we'll get out of them. But the games that are coming up are... Newcastle, West Ham, Scum, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester. It just gets to that point of actually you haven't got what it takes to get out of this. Whereas, and I think that's the crucial thing, every time I look at Leeds, all season, as worrying as it's been, that's kind of been where my optimism or sort of conviction that we won't get relegated is. I just look at us all the time and just think, I think they've got enough to get out of this and to want to get out of it and to apply themselves in ways that will get them out of the trouble that they've been getting into. Norwich just aren't good enough. I think Watford lack the quality as well. And coming up, they're not going to beat Liverpool. They'll lose to us and we have a big advantage over them if we can put some distance between um, just us and them with a 
with that result. This section has turned into, let's convince ourselves why we're not going down. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and why everybody else is. But I think as a reflection of where we are... And it would have been incredibly different had Joe Gellhart not scored in the 94th minute. But this is great. So the great thing about football. Did you notice, by the way, that Radrazani wasn't there against Norwich? I could see... From, jinx, isn't he? From my, Stay away. From my vantage point. We, um, we win if he's not. Um, I also meant to address the... Uh, and it feels like an age ago now, but you know, I wanted to finish the... Um, the match ball uh, against Villa because I had to go to Asda. I should just tie up that story, by Uh, the way, because it's become a running... I don't don't want to talk about my own life because it's not that interesting, but I did leave here and I dropped you off Moscow, didn't I? And then I made my way to Asda at Pudsey, the 24-hour one, because I was going to pop in there and get some things that my daughter needed before school the following morning. So I absolutely had to go to the 24-hour supermarket. I got to Asda at Pudsey. I think it was 10 to 12 is the moment I pulled into the car park. But then I stopped... And then I uploaded the podcast, you know, tethered my phone and laptop together, uploaded the podcast and then published it. And at five past 12, I walked over to the front doors of the supermarket only to find out it had shut five minutes before, which was a disappointment. But I dusted myself down, then drove another four and a half miles to Tesco, 24-hour Tesco in Bradford. It's got a big sign outside as well, big Mm. red circle, 24-hour, which suggests that it's open for 24 hours, doesn't it? That's in a week. Yeah. It's across the week. But but for the avoidance of, of any doubt, it does say, open 24 hours, Sunday, 11 till 5. Perfect. Went over there. Looks very quiet. Gentleman at the door letting one of his colleagues out. No, 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 we, we shut at 12 now. But you, yeah, no, we shut at 12. Okay. Uh, so do you know of any 24-hour supermarkets that are open? Yeah, there's one over at Cemetery Road over in Bradford. BD8. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Fine. So I drove another two or three miles over there, well away from, from home. And that's the, the long story short is it took me three supermarkets. But I got in there, got the stuff that we need, some dry shampoo was needed. Okay. Went and got that and got home at one in the morning after a simple little trip to the supermarket turned into three supermarkets. What's wrong with carbolic soap? I don't know. But uh, my only takeaway from this is don't trust supermarkets. <laughs> Any of them? No. Okay, fair enough. The lines here. Fair enough. The fair sign. Enough. The signs are incorrect. Great bunch of lads. Anyways, that ties that up. Back to Radrazani. Yeah, he's just he's been tweeting again, hasn't he? Yeah. He doesn't pick his moments very well, does he? He'd just be better off not. Uh, I, mean, I do, on a human level, feel a bit sorry for him because... I feel like, i said on the shows before, I think he feels underappreciated. I think he's probably got quite a fragile ego when it comes to this. And, you know, the best you can hope for as an owner of a club is that the people who are the fans of the club won't call you a bastard for nine or ten months of the year. Um, if you're if you're not, not getting pelters, you're probably doing it about all right. And obviously there's been a lot of high emotion around the sacking of Bielsa. But then Radrazani surfaced, basically having killed Bambi's mum to all intents and purposes and started trying to front it out at that point, and it all just felt a bit, I don't know, misplaced. The daft thing is, as we're seeing with um, Eddie Howe and Thomas Tuchel flummoxing themselves through press conferences, if you are a club owner in this country, you can just get away without the scrutiny. You don't have to answer the questions. You don't have to do anything. Roderick Sandy did his little hostage video to say why he sacked Bielsa afterwards, and that's could be enough. I don't personally think it's enough. I think that um, the lack of pressure on club owners and executives leads us to that situation where it is ludicrous that, you know, Eddie Howe is sitting there being asked about 81 people being executed in a, a country and why he works for them. And really, you need to be going up the food chain at Newcastle and asking those questions and saying with um, Tuchel talking about Abramovich, there is a layer of people there, like Bruce Booker at Chelsea, just going like, just, just let, let him deal with it. Petr Cech went out and asked a, a load of questions about it. And if you are the coach, you have to answer the questions weekly, sometimes multiple weekly. You saw it in the last days of Bielsa, where he's constantly being put out in front of the cameras, which he hated 
to justify things that he couldn't explain about the football club. And then the people making bigger decisions about sacking people, transfers, the whole direction of the club, which is that they own and run, they are ultimately responsible for what the manager does anyway. You don't get them in a weekly press conference. You mm. don't, they only speak to their chosen journalists. So they have this real cozy, comfortable way of presenting themselves in the media, which I don't think is a good thing, but it's, it benefits them. So why then, just because somebody says something about you on Twitter, crack the phone out and be like, well, I better answer this. It's like, you've got everything you need to insulate yourself from all that criticism. So why, I mean, it's the big question of like, why do billionaires tweet? Like what, what, if you are a multi-billionaire. Boredom. But surely. You Validation. Do a, I mean, do a jigsaw. <laughs> I, it is, you know, you can find, you can solve boredom in so many ways. And it's so easy when you are a billionaire or even if you're just a millionaire in Radritzani's case. There's so many other things you could do. Yeah, but he feels underappreciated. He, he wants to be... This isn't going to solve it, though, is it? No, it's not. But but he doesn't know what else to do. There's nothing else he can do. It's the only platform he's got where people are kind of, I guess, forced to listen to him, if you like. You know, because he's got the, a sizable audience. So. Just, just to clear what he actually said as yeah. well, but in case anyone hasn't seen it, he, he was basically responding to some criticism and saying he's put money in. He's saying 100 million, precisely. A lot of work and time sacrificed to my family. I always try and work hard for the best of the club. The moment I realise I won't be able to deliver... I will let someone else do a better job. There was an, another weird tweet, though, as well, but which was that it was purely a business investment from Ace Adventure's point of view, which it was hard to decipher because I know mm. English is his second language, mm. so it's not always going to be conveyed in the right way. So it was, it's hard to kind of un unpack a lot of that. My, my big takeaway from it was like, but you chose to do this. That, that was yeah. all. It's, it's, it's a voluntary thing to buy a football club. And I'm, I'm glad that he did and took us out of the hands of Chilino, who was absolutely crackers. But it's part and parcel of it, isn't it? You're not, you don't. Mm -hmm. Buy, what do you buy a football club for? Is it to increase the value of your shares? Is it for some reflected glory of the football team and the manager? No or one, whatever it is? no one is happy with their owners. From from the the top end of it, where I mean, weirdly, like a lot of Chelsea fans are still absolutely delighted with Abramovich. Fine, he's won, he's bought them loads of trophies. Same as Man City, you've got to. They, if you can draw a line and say, I just want to win some games. I don't give a shit what else you're up to. Newcastle now, yeah. Newcastle as well, obviously fall into that. But all through the 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 way of doing it, you've got the Glazers who are make, using it to make money, absolutely hated. Liverpool fans think they're not, they're not investing enough in kind of future-proofing them against Klopp and Salah leaving and things like that. Then down to the bottom end, you've got Norwich fans with a banner. Norwich are a, an example of, a, I guess, a well-run club in so, so far as they, they don't spend them on. They've got, they have a, a plan where they'll recruit well, which obviously hasn't worked, but there's, there's a method to it and they run sustainably and Norwich are, are probably one of the least likely to just go bust because of the way they're run, which is, I guess, the minimum requirement you want for a club. But Norwich fans are furious about it as well and just want some better players. Well, because that that then runs up against the counter example, which is the people who don't give a shit because as long as you're buying us stuff, then we're happy. Mm. Like no one's happy. No, but, there's never anybody who's happy. No, no, no one likes their owners in the, in the Premier League. And it's all kind of um, irrelevant anyway. I mean, the whole all the the grumbling at Chelsea and the um, the kind of forlorn. Oh no, they're stealing Roman Abramovich away from us. At the end of this, and it's it's a more difficult process than it will be for the club because of the, the influence of the, the sanctions and what's stopping them from being uh, selling tickets and so on. But the upshot will be that another billionaire will buy them. The only difference is that Roman Abramovich isn't going to make any money from it. So when this all shakes down, Chelsea will have another owner who is stupendously rich because that's the only people who can afford to, to buy a club of that scale now. And then they just carry on. And so actually, whether it's Roman Abramovich, whether it's you know, somebody else, it doesn't matter. 
they're just going to do the same things anyway. So the whole the the love that Chelsea fans have for um, Abramovich and that the 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 devotion that Newcastle fans who will tell you that the Saudi government does not own their football club whatsoever and then wave a Saudi flag in the away end. <laughs> but it does it could be it could be anybody. So the the devotion isn't necessary. It's going to be fine. A billionaire will buy your club. If you're a Chelsea fan, don't worry. You'll be all right. It's interesting because with the the pressure on Chelsea and the the way that's highlighted then, Newcastle and Manchester City in particular and now kind of everybody's, there is the question of what are football owners for? What's the point of them? There's enough money in, in the game. All, all the money comes from broadcast revenue anyway. And then anything that a, an owner does put in is debt. So if Abramovich hadn't been sanctioned or decided to just write it all off, he could have just asked for those billions back anyway. And you put it all on one person. There's so many ways it could go wrong. Nottingham Forest were doing very well, but then their owner died. And then they had the the, the next person to come in ran the club like a basket case and it all fell apart, all because it was contingent on this one person who actually isn't running it day to day, isn't really what are they actually adding to it? If you if you have all the money Leeds are actually proving it now. When Roderick Zandi says he's putting one hundred million pounds precisely, that was all pre promotion. That's what he, he paid to buy the club and buy the ground back. So that initial investment did the job. And then since then, it's all been from broadcasting funds and ticket revenue and sponsorship revenue. All the, the money that the club takes in, the club then spends. And selling a huge chunk of it to the 49ers. Yeah. Well, that, has that gone into his pocket or has that come into the club? It's not clear, I don't think, is it necessarily? No. So, But you can run a football club based on the money that the football club takes in. And, and that is a much more sustainable model than relying Nobody on, likes sustainable. Burn it all down. Than relying on the deep pocketed owner anyway. But then if you and then if you do, do that, it brings into question, well, what do you even need an owner for? What are they actually bringing to the table apart from they can throw some more money at some transfers if they want? But then the risk is when it goes wrong, you're relying on that one person yeah. as it has at Chelsea and they can they can cry about being picked on all the like. But that one person bought fun, all those fun trophies. To pick, fun to pick on Chelsea, isn't it? It is, especially with their, um, the ridiculousness that they're putting out about the, the Middlesbrough tickets. When I was young and just now, just a lad, I asked my mother, uh, etc. I was going to say, just to tie up the, the threads yeah. on this with Radrazani, basically, he's got the right to reply because it's his business. What's to be gained from it? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, and he'd have an easier life if he didn't. We could learn so much from Bielsa. And one of the things he said, <laughs> whenever he was talking about he was justifying a bad performance in the last game, he would just say, Nobody's going to listen to a word I say because nobody wants to hear somebody talking about things that have gone wrong because that's just the way football is. And that's what Radrizzani, the mistake he's making here. Nobody wants to hear him say this when it's in a, a bad moment at Leeds. So just stay quiet because nobody will... He can justify himself and feel like he has important things to say about the way he's run Leeds and he might have very good points. But they also point out, nobody gives a shit. At this, <laughs> at this particular point in time, they don't want to hear it. So don't say it. And and enjoy the fact that you get away with so little scrutiny as you do. It was, be, it was being pointed out um, with the Chelsea and Tuchel and Eddie Howe stuff that in Germany, um, executives are regularly grilled and subjected to press conferences with follow-up questions in a way that we just don't do them in this country. So it would be, you would remove some of the pressure on Eddie Howe, and you would put it on those weird animatronic dolls that are sitting in the exec boxes who get the camera on them every game, every game, but you never actually hear them answering a difficult question. They wouldn't get away with that in other countries, and um, I don't see why we have to put up with it here. Make them justify what they're doing. Good. 
tied that one up then. Um, Rafinha's off to play for Brazil again in the uh, in the international break. Let's hope he comes back in a nice frame of mind this time because I think we need him, don't we? Yes, and he, he was improved at the weekend. I thought he was not back to his best, but about back to about 70% of it, which is truthfully good enough because he's brilliant. And he left it all out there. That was quite pointed that you saw the pictures of him towards the end looking like he was in tears and he just slumped to the ground at full time. And, um, you know, the suggestion that he's his head's elsewhere, which it has looked like at times. Um, maybe that's just how his frustration has kind of manifested itself in his performances and they've dropped off. Because there were, you know, people in the last week or two saying, oh, well, if we're selling him this summer, then fine. His head's gone anyway, which, you know, may be true, but um, we still need him between now Get and... Get Eddie Green and play the kids. <laughs> yeah. I think it's how he deals with frustration. I don't think he's very good at it. He needs to mm-hmm. channel sort of the anger and the aggression into playing really well, but instead he sort of... I think he sulks. Yeah. Um, and... I know he had the uh, the difficult time as a teenager trying to break into football and um, all the the violence of the the um, the non professional youth games and tournaments that he used to play in with people you know firing guns across the pitch and all the things he's talked about. But since he came to Europe, um, he was at Sporting Lisbon, wasn't he? And that was all fine. And then gets the big money move to Raw, and he's a hero. Raw. <laughs> He's a hero. At, he's, he's a hero at Rang, Rene. and he gets uh, the qualify for Europe, and then he gets a big move to the Premier League. So everything's gone, and then he gets into the Brazil team. So everything's gone very smooth, 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 smooth. And suddenly he's in this situation where the players around him are losing their heads, and he's still like, "Well, I'm brilliant, so what the hell?" And I think he's finding it quite difficult to deal with um, the way that we've been playing. And I think changing of- that mentality is probably what will genuinely push him into the proper elite level. I think he's he's definitely Champions League quality, isn't he? Like in terms of what he can do. But in terms of mindset, I think and to, to, be to go back to Jake Humphrey's uh, instructions about, you know, thinking more positively. Yeah, comfy, so, yeah. but, but seriously, I think just if he can get that focus back, then... To be fair, Neymar gets away with it. Yeah, yeah, same, and Ronaldo does as well. He's, yeah. He sulks when he doesn't... Even if his team scores and he doesn't, he sulks, doesn't he? He's got, he has that look of like, oh, well, it doesn't even count. If, so I've, not, if uh, I've not scored, it's not, it's not worth a thing. So it's not it? unheard of, but it's, it's definitely not a kind of a Leeds-friendly characteristic, is it? Mm, where, you yeah. know, where even our best players, if they didn't run around enough, got um, pelters. But yeah, so I think rather than it being like a lack of interest or like kind of mind on a, a move, it's just it's dis- a moody Margaret. disappointment with the way things are going and something about the goal, the way he scored or he set up Joffy's goal was kind of, I think the aggressiveness in that assist is kind of underrated because the skill was so good. It was going around Crawl, mm. but winning that ball ahead of the defender and then the split second the pulling the ball back split second. Before that, the decision to go that way around Cruel, because the obvious thing to do would have been to cut inside and shoot, but then to realise Cruel is probably looking for that and you can beat him on the other side and take a, it was quite a big risk. I think there was something about it shortening the length of time he had to think about it and just going on pure aggression. I am going to get this ball in and I know exactly how to do it. And it all worked, so it didn't need too much... Um, thinking and also he's you know he's like everyone I can't believe he's had two free kicks smacking off the crossbar and <laughs> know, the, the other shot as well he shit out a look like they all are but maybe a little trip to Brazil will cheer him up well the, the important thing to note is that they've got Chile at home on the 24th which is uh, 11.30 UK time and then Bolivia away in the pertinent one that's the 30th of March that game at half 12 UK time but then we've got Southampton at home on April the 2nd so the layover it's always Southampton yeah it? it might be a bit of a problem I'd, I'd like to see it's not as tight as last time, is it? Because no. because the time it kicks off, it's it's basically 
it's it's like the start of the day, isn't it? UK time, so it's it's almost an extra day. It sounds worse than it is, right? And he and he's going to get stuck on a. I presume he'll be on the private jet with uh, with all the Liverpool players. You mean again. he's not getting the direct flight from uh, La Paz to Yeadon Airport? He'll <laughs> be he'll be on that, won't he? He'll be he'll be comfortable enough. And we've kind of learnt now that Jesse does take the piss a bit with the players' fitness. Like if he turns up an hour before the game, he'll stick him on. Whether they're, uh, whereas Bielsa would be like, no, you if you're only fit for ten minutes, I'm not even interested in having you on the bench. Whereas he seems to be a bit more willing to uh, to bend on that stuff. And Leeds United women back in action, winning two one away at Durham Sestria. I'm sure they have to go to Durham every week. It's the... always Durham Sestria, yeah, or Durham, or the Durham, or someone, Newcastle, or someone. You're thinking of Norton and Stockton Ancients. It's, it's constantly the northeast. Well, it is a north, it's the northeast league that they're in, isn't it? Yeah. So it's going to be disproportionately weighted mm. towards northeast um, the north, towns and stuff. The furthest south they go is Barnsley, <laughs> Mordor. Yes. Um, anyway, they they took the leads after half an hour mm, uh, against Durham. Did. Sestria, yeah, and then um, Laura Bartup with a brace, I think they call it in football terms, 69 and 78 minutes, turned it back around in the second half, which is good, back in action, and they've had a good season, as we were saying the other week. Not back, good enough. Back up, <laughs> back up towards the uh, the top of the table. And the 23s are playing Scum at Ellen Road tonight, as we record, that's Tuesday, isn't it? Loads of tickets have been sold for that, like 8 or 9,000, which brings back memories almost of 1993. That was the, the great hope that we clinged on to, clinged on to, clung on to, in the wake of our post-championship uh, winning season, the awful season that followed it, was brought uh, some hope at the end by the youth team winning the FA Youth Cup Noel featuring Whelan. Noel Whelan and Jamie Flicking Forrester. Flicking on to yeah. Jamie Forrester for his overhead kick. And then, Paul, and then Paul Scholes having the career Mark Tinkler should have had. So um, if you are going down, with this this will be released afterwards. Uh, I do hope that you're calling them little scumbastards throughout and upsetting a bunch of children. I mean, to be fair, a load of them are millionaires already at this point, aren't they? They've yeah, signed some very expensive players. Absolutely fair game if you earn. If you're earning 10 grand a week, it's fine. <laughs> oh, dear me. And finally, just to wrap things up on the ticket tout in front, don't tout your tickets. Oh, I thought you were selling some. Yeah, do you want some, do you want, do you, I've got some season tickets there. Do you want to buy them? Yes, it's uh, not good, is it, people selling on tickets to third-party ticket insights. It wasn't, wasn't an issue for so long, was it, the old uh, ticket touting? You could you could wander down to the West Stand at five minutes before kickoff with no queue and just buy a ticket. For That was the real beauty of the Bates years in many ways. But um, it sounds like some, some mad shit's been going down with some of these, like people having secret meetings and like almost like in spy films where we exchange information under the clock. I'll be wearing a flower. I'll take your mobile phone as collateral. You have my season ticket and we'll meet back here several hours later kind of vibes. It's uh, it's wild, isn't it? Mm. It certainly isn't happening in the championship, but yeah, I mean, it, it does need clamping down on because it's it's shit. Well, we've got seat geek now, haven't we? I think the uh, the 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 club of the statement is kind of harshly worded, and it does make it sound like you're going to go to prison if you just give your mate your season ticket, which is a bit of an issue because obviously everyone does that, don't they? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and and occasionally when if the ticket exchange, you know, if it's half past two on a Saturday and you've got a spare ticket, you can't really stick it on the ticket exchange, can you? So no. tickets do kind of get exchanged at that point as long as it's at face value I, I'd like to think the club would be reasonable about it and not yeah. and not be like you know dishing out life bans for people because they've just tried to get rid of their, their mate's ticket because he's got COVID at two hours before the game has started or whatever We were saying the other week that hopefully with SeatGeek it seems like from the way other clubs operate that it has the capability of ticket sharing is can be enabled using this and It's I the think, friends and family thing isn't it? Yeah and just being able to say I am not going to be the person using for this t- the ticket for this game. This person that I know will be using it instead. So formalising it is the way, would be a good way forward. But yeah, I think the, the main thing to stop is having, you know, 300 quid tickets on some 
fake website that, well, not a fake website, but just a secondary sale website that takes um, a massive cut, which people only buy the ticket so that they can put it on that platform. And you, and you might end up rich, but you'll be on the naughty step. So which is more important, money or having a clear conscience? So are you suggesting that people who uh, need to get rich who just do this for a while until they get banned? I mean, you can cover the cost of your season ticket at 300. <laughs> no, don't do it. It's bad. It's bad. That does wrap up part one of the show. Then uh, Wolves preview on the way. Friday night match. Um, and we'll pick the week's heroes and villains as well. Stick about for those. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. To the Black Country. Friday nights, I've been to Wolves. I went on a Sunday afternoon slash evening ahead of a wedding in October. We stayed at the, did we stay at the same travel lodge or did you go I Premier Inn? I, I really went up market, went Premier Inn. Absolutely. It's the Premier Inn right next to the station. It's close to the ground, actually. Complete show off. It's got a fantastic ring road as Wolverhampton. To be fair. You can get around the whole um, the whole city centre quite quickly just off that. And uh, yeah, we stayed in a Premier Inn that used to be part of like a low-level station that's next to the high-level station. Fascinating chat. Mm, lovely, lovely. And, and ate in a, in a sort of a budget pub next to it that was attached to the hotel. The way you live. And that is, uh, that's my adventure in Wolverhampton. That's my, that's the extent of my recce. Um, but this guy, uh, what's the name of the guy who's the Wolves fan, who's the American guy? You know that's right. Mr. Miami. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to his um, post-match well, he, take on He only propaganda. does the away games, doesn't he? So we're not going to have right. the benefit of him. But I might look him, I might see what he's been doing. Okay, um, yeah. I'm interested to know what he makes of some... I mean, how many trips to London can he do, I suppose, in the Premier League? That's the thing. It's Do you, do you keep it local if you go to... Do you have to just like stick to North London for certain trips? But I'll, I'll see what he's been up to. If it's anything interesting, you'll, you can hear next week. What, what do you reckon to this game? Then? I think it's quite a, a tough one to call because we've shown definite signs of improvement. You could see Wolves, as they play with wing-backs, causing us problems. But you just, you just don't know what's going to happen now, do you? Week to week, really. We're trying to sort of formulate a brand new data set, if you like, about what sort of a performance you're going to get out of Leeds. Kind of been expecting Wolves to drop all season. 
and they just don't seem to be. They're actually, I think they might be legitimately good, and I've entirely discounted them on the basis that they weren't very good at Ellen Road. I'll tell you what we're going to see a lot of, lots of rolling around, because our mm. players do the new Jesse Marsh, S-A-R-D, German acronym, all in, is part two of that, where, as we saw against Norwich, there's quite a little bit of, uh, quite a lot of leaving your foot in. Mm. I reckon there's going to be quite a lot of Raul Jimenez le- you, leaping in the air. Did you see him doing it the other day? I did indeed, yeah. yeah. He got uh, John, Joe sent, John Joe Kenny sent off, didn't it, against Everton? I which, mean, it was a pretty it, bad tackle. It, it was a bad tackle, but it wasn't as bad as he Too was making yellow. out, no, was no. the thing. That, any contact, he does he does spend an awful lot of time on the ground. It's interesting, actually, from who, Internet Charlatans, who scored.com, strengths, given they are seventh in the league, four points off the Champions League places, their only strength is protecting the lead. Right. Gone, so gone don't, this. don't let them get in front. Which means basically pretending to be injured and taking ages over stuff. Yeah, if if their players were genuinely as hurt as they make themselves out to be, you'd need a fleet of ambulances <laughs> at every game. It's pretty, but they are um, as a team good. Unfortunately, well, I mean the thing is they they they've done I think this season what we kind of did last season, which is to win a handsome number of games, but not draw many. And that's the difference yeah. between what we've done this season and last season. Like. We've, uh, I'm just having a look at our record, we're 6-8-15 at the minute, uh, win, draw, loss. They are 1-14, only drawn four, but lost 11. So they're quite, they lost quite a fair amount of, of games, really. Yeah, they had a struggle because the weird thing with Wolves, like their ownership kind of goes onto the radar a little bit, but the, the messages coming back from, it's kind of China via Portugal. And the reason they got rid of Nuno was they just didn't think they were entertaining enough. I don't know if everybody's aware, but there is a fashion... WW in China is a fashion brand attached to Wolves. So they sell high fashion off of the Wolves name. Is this a bit like the whole Nike, Air, Jordan, Paris Saint-Germain glamour that we see attached to that football club? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, Um, but but in Wolves. There's a good good video of um, in the Nuno era of the players and him going over there for a runway show. We should say WW, by the way, is their shirt sponsor. Or did we mention that? Um, if we didn't, there you go. Well, it's also Wolverhampton Wanderers. I think that's so... I don't oh, know okay. if there's a... But then, or is it some crap casino? Anyway, I'm, I'm confusing shirt sponsors. Carry on. But there's a whole... Uh, I hadn't even considered the shirt sponsor where that comes from. Is it but WA? Or something? Ah, forget it. Anyway. I don't know. But it's, it's all tied together. <laughs> there, is, there is a lot of non-football business kind of dependent on Wolves, not necessarily winning stuff, but being fun and being a fun brand. So they wanted this guy to kind of um, make things happier and he tried that but then started losing loads of games so he's had to cool it down and has now found a way of um, of winning games and being entertaining you could see some of it I watched their game against Everton and the number of times that they will do kind of a chest pass and a back heel to each other just when they're keeping the ball is noticeable but they also combine it with I think this is why once they go ahead, they win so many games. We're just like not really seeming asked. They're really good, I think. Neves and Matinho are two really, really good midfielders and they can do anything with the ball. But they're just not that bothered about all-out attack and really pushing against a team and going for the win. That was from this game, but then I was reading afterwards that the manager had said that their game plan for this was they expected a reaction from Everton. So they deliberately took the, the first half easy and concentrated on just keeping it tight to see what Everton would do. And then they were going to go for it in the second half. And that's when they scored one goal. And just like, well, we don't need to do much more. And we're a little bit wary of what Shut Everton it down, are. dive around a bit. They do adapt um, based on the, the opponent. Apparently that's one thing that this the coach, uh, it's uh, 
Eddie Large's brother, isn't it? He has um, he has uh, uh, one for our international and uh, youth listeners there. That he has going for him is he'll he'll work really hard to prepare the team for the next opponent. So he'll have done all the research on Marsh that um, Brendan Rogers tried to claim credit for um, and have something. But and yeah, they are strong. It worries me about a bit. I'm not expecting much from this game because the goalkeeper's really good. Connor Cody is a good defender. They're really good at playing three at the back. Nevers and Matinho were really good. They're not really hot shots in attack. They don't score loads, but they might not need to if they keep it tight. But it will be up to us to see how much pressure we can put them under and what pressing them does because Everton just didn't bother. It'll yeah. be interesting to see how our new style goes up against them because it felt like, in a way, they were they were a good side to play against a Bielsa team because they were very pragmatic and tried to just break up a game as much as possible but and probably win score off a set piece or something it feels like we can have got that in us now probably or at least we'll try to even if we don't aren't as well drilled as them just the possibility that we might actually be able to out shit house them to a degree <laughs> is kind of an interesting idea which because it felt like it was beyond us before didn't it yeah we were too pure although we might have just you know scored loads of goals and played in a fun way which would also have been quite nice yeah it feels like we've got more of a grind in us than maybe we had previously and, and this this feels like a game where we might need to grind a bit like you you were saying um their sponsor by the way Dan is it Manbet X so I've no oh, idea I've okay. absolutely no idea what you were talking about they did about. used to have a big W on the front of the oh, shirt Palace right. have got the W sponsors isn't it I've got sure, Wolves had Palace, it Palace well. are also sponsored by Manbet would you is believe is the logo a W though somebody's got no. a W somewhere no they're the um, they're the number one bookmaker in Hong Kong oh. so there you go great bunch of lads sure it's entirely legit Forget that then. Forget forget all that chat about W's. Somebody's had a W once on their shirt, and that's all that, that I know. That's probably true. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, grinding. Like you, you were saying, Moscow actually the Wolves Watford game. You expected that to be a bit of a grind, and it wasn't. It was actually a a bit of a walk in the park for Wolves. Um, that because you you mm. expect you said it was going to be two teams who were going to try and grind out a one nil. Um, didn't pan out like that. I don't know why I was saying that. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've just found a picture of a shirt with a bit W A E A Wolves shirt. Now there you go. Um, no, so that's, that's it, W88. Very similar to WW. Yes, that was 2019, so it's only three years. <laughs> Great. Thanks, everyone. Is there a picture of Steve Ball wearing that? <laughs> it was a um, a graphic designer who created a wolf head motif for Wolves Wanderers shirt, said it was impossible he had copied a school design from the 1960s. <laughs> what do we need to do against Wolves, then? What do you think we need to do? How do we stop them causing us trouble? Midfield, is it again? Play plays in the proper position. I think that made a difference against Norwich, and I'm willing to see it again. I yes. thought Click was really good. Against um, against Norwich, him and Forshaw looked fairly steady in the middle. Again, the usual Nor- Norwich caveats. I know every single one of those Wolves players is better than every single one of the Norwich players, which is going to make things a lot more difficult. But yeah, people in actual positions, and hopefully we'll see at least another 45 minutes of Bamford, because even though he missed a really good chance, I thought he did make a huge difference. And he did lay one on a plate for Rafinha as well. Because the interesting thing for me here is, yeah, it's, it's midfield. If they've got those three in the middle, is it, if it's Dendonca Neves and uh, Moutinho, is how do we deal with that? With everyone in the middle, which is what we do now. To squeeze the space in the All middle. All the wingers in the middle. All in. Yeah. Alished in. Pinched. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm fascinated by this, uh, this club badge <laughs> story. So Peter Davies claims he drew the logo at school nearly 60 years ago. Is this the Wolves logo? Yeah, and right. entered it in a competition. He said um, that he complained, he wrote to the club in 1979, complaining about the use of his design, but received no response and did not pursue the matter at the time. But then he took it to court in 2019. <laughs> um, and I'm, I don't know how it uh, how it turned out, but the um, Wolves are obviously saying that they uh, 
they designed their logo in 1979 and it was impossible for them to have seen um, his school drawing. Uh, yes, it was thrown out in the end, but that's a, that's a bold... Like deleting the emails, isn't it? It's a oh, bold... We, uh, we wiped the server. It's uh, a bold old copyright claim, that, to say... Hey, you see it? Well, mind you, I Arsenal. told you in 1979 that I drew that <laughs> and I'm, I'm still here asking for my money. See, Arsenal um, flipped around the direction of the, the, uh, the gun on their badge, didn't they? Because mm. they couldn't copyright the old one or whatever. Went from facing left to right or vice versa. He said that he drew the wolf head design in the early 1960s after a teacher asked him to demonstrate an understanding of Blaise Pascal's Hexagrammum Mysticum <laughs> Theorem and he entered it in an art competition advertised right. in the Express and Star and he was making a, comp- a copyright claim and wanted compensation. But Mr Justice McGee, who oversaw the High Court trial in London, said he would have to pick up his own lawyer's bills plus the lawyer's bills run up by wolves. Ouch. Which... Lawyers estimate it could be worth could be around four hundred and fifty thousand pounds. That's a that feels like a crowdfunding situation, doesn't it? Jeez, I'm um, just looking at their badge. Yeah, the um, the hexagonal badge, not very social media friendly these days, is it? You want to go for a circle these days? I think I've got to say I've always had quite a soft spot for the mm. wolves badge. Yeah, I think it's. Well, nice. you probably owe this guy some money now. <laughs> I've only looked at it. He says that uh, he suggested that the designer of the 1979 motif had links those art composition judges from the early 60s. Wow. Who, who knew it was such a conspiracy? Deep, deep state wolves. Whereas the, the Leeds badge was like, sort of Ridsdale did it. <laughs> Seems to be about as much as you get oh, on the Leeds design. Um, it was Wilkinson, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Howard Wilkinson. Mm. Uh, so he, he liked the Italian national team's design. Who, who drew it, though? He said he sketched it out after a bottle of wine. <laughs> That's where all good ideas come and, from, And then it? there's obviously the who drew the other one. No one's ever admitted to the, the salute badge, have they? Because obviously a company was involved mm. in that and they've just gone, no, yeah. <laughs> we will never work again. Let's not let's not mention that we did that. Our partners at. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if it was you and you wanted to just let us know, we won't tell anyone. One thing was point, to pointed out to me by um, a designer friend who we all know. It was saying that not only was the design for that bad, but it would have aged terribly as well. It was a really kind of short-lived mm. style that it was designed. Oh, we, we've in. already criticised Radrazani on this. Yeah. Let's not upset him anymore. <laughs> I, know he's, I know he still loves that badge. But it's, still, it's still a shit idea. It's still a shit badge, I'm sorry. Yeah, it is, really. I'm, I'm kind of glad it happened, though. It was funny. At least we're not stuck with it, eh? It yeah. could have been worse. It could have... That, to Radrazani's credit, he did listen to people when everybody else other than him went, fucking hell, that's awful. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's the worst thing anyone could have drawn. Right. And so. um, back to Wolves then. And um, thoughts for this one then. Michael, the pessimist, what happens? <sighs> we will lose. Moscow, the optimist, what will happen? Draw. And I'm I just winging it now on blind hope. Uh, I did say some weeks ago that I don't think I'd ever predict another win this season, but I'm going to do it. I might as well okay. just complete the set and say, we're going to go there and win. And this is the, we've used Norwich as the springboard for the start of the Jesse Marsh era. And we build on it and we shit out our way to a well-deserved victory in the Black Country on Friday. Anything at all would be great because it'd just keep a bit of momentum going, wouldn't it, into a, a, a more winnable home game. Yeah, I, I concede that a draw is probably a good result from this when you look at the fixtures where we can pick up points. But the ability to cut ourselves a huge amount of slack this season, it, it's massive, isn't it? If we win this, then it just makes all the rest of it so much more palatable. Does it all really depend on uh, Jack Barnes's attendance, though, as well? Our uh, TSB Plus member who's got in touch. He says he's a Wolverhampton native who's lived overseas for five years. And you've, you've missed out the brackets there. He says, unfortunate, I know, about being a Wolverhampton native. Or some things go without saying, <laughs> don't they? Um, he says he tries to attend uh, games while it's over, usually away games, which has been difficult lately. But his last two games were Villa 2 leads 3 in uh, Bielsa's first season and Birmingham 4 leads 5 
Um, and I promised myself never again, but I've got tickets for the Wolves game on Friday Doesn't, in the home end. That means it's got to be, according to the pattern, it's got to be 6-7. Well, this is it. And he says that after seeing the Norwich game, I'm dreading another thriller. I'll be one Bryn Lorgasm away from getting my head kicked in. So maybe it's for the best if we just get a boring nil-nil and it, it does uh, feel a bit Jack fight. can survive. It does feel a little bit fighty around Wolves as well when I've been. It's got a slight, it's got, it's got a slight menace about it as, as Wolverhampton. So yeah, be quiet. So, yeah, basically. So I think... A point will do, and uh, Jack's health are the two big targets from this game. Are you pleased to have Jesse around? Of course. Seems like a nice fella, doesn't he? I dare say across this week, he's had quite a lot of issues to sort out. For example, you know, getting into the country and stuff, it's not that easy, is it? You've got to get a work permit. So if you needed somebody like who could deal with immigration issues... Mm-hmm. And uh, employment issues. Employment issues, yeah. Having to sort of draw up contracts and that kind of thing. All fine and good. Then he's going to need a house, residential conveyancing. There's a lot of stuff. You mean like what you might find you need is a, a solicitor who could do all that. Mm. It's easiest to get it in one place. Absolutely. Um, you could like could call one number, go to one website. Can you see where this is leading? I, I think I can, you know. Yeah. Is <laughs> it leading to uh, Levi, what are they called? Levi solicitors? Yes, it is. And do you know what's even better? What's the cherry on the icing on the cake here? Is it a discount of some sort? Yeah. And we know Jesse obviously is going to listen to this. And I hope he did before we're saying this because then he could have got 10% off his legal fees um, if he'd gone through. Is that only available to Jesse? Uh, it's available to everybody. So you be be more like Jesse might have been. Should have been. Yeah. Don't make the same mistake as Jesse probably did. Yeah, don't don't pay all your legal fees. Just pay 90% of them. You can get 10% off at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. And it's not just immigration and residential conveyancing, employment issues, personal dispute resolution. And it's not just that. He might want to, while he's here, deal with some wills and probate. You need to get him sorted at some point, don't you? You do, absolutely do. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. This part of the show is where we pick heroes and villains, people who've done good and bad over the last seven days. Um, The first half of this is the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award, named in honour of a chairman who inflicted quite a lot of misery on us over the years. None of us were particularly happy with him, I don't think, were we? To I say, hated him. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't want to overstate I the case. I hated him and I hated it. Yes. Uh, anyway, this um, this award used to have him getting a nomination every week, but the rules were that he couldn't win it mm. because, you know, whatever, we made it up. Because we don't want to give him anything. Yes. Uh, however, he has entered the nominations again this week because he's been talking. He's still, I mean, I, I don't know. Is, this, is he even still alive? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the thing with, with any Bates interview... It generally could have been at any point within the last 50 years because his opinions have not changed. But he's talking about, maybe as if to prove he is alive, like how you have it with the current newspaper. Yeah. He's talking about current events in uh, in, in Moscow so uh, yeah. in the Ukraine. So he's there he is. He's, yes. he's talking about, he's, he's, he's distancing himself really from the man that he sold the club to. He's yeah. saying, what an absolute shame it is. Yeah. More what or was less. it, 130 million Bates trousered for that, having bought it for a pound, was it? And yeah. took on the debts? He does get nominations from uh, someone further down this list, actually, for using that money to buy us, which, yeah. is, which is a fair point. It yeah. was realistically, we should be able to rewind everything, just take back that money that he got, mm. which saved him from bankrupting Chelsea rather than us, um, and and let's let's have it back to Leeds somehow. I'm not pop- quite sure how this is going to work. He has a pop at civil servants. He said he's not sure what Chelsea fans have got to do with the bombing of a of a maternity hospital in the Ukraine. Uh, can, can anyone not see the links? No. Well, they're, they're supporting it, aren't they? The Chelsea fans. That's the thing. They're saying 
they're a great bunch of lads and this bloke who got all of his money mm. from Russian state assets is nothing to do with the Russian state. In what he has said, I think on the record as Abramovich as well, he said that um, the auction to buy the, I think it was the gas and oil, whatever it was, wasn't it? Um, it was it was a rigged auction. He said that on the record. But anyway, as long as you've uh, you've had some trophies, that's the important bit, isn't it? And I know, you know, we can sit here from in our ivory tower because we haven't as yet got owners who've done anything absolutely horrific. But well, we had Ken Bates, yeah, and we hated him. So I think we're we're pretty much on the right side of history where Bates was concerned. Let's not forget that Ken Bates in the 1960s, when he was the owner of Oldham, took Oldham on a tour to Southern Rhodesia, mm-hmm. which is now part of Zimbabwe, which was under sanctions from well pretty much everybody because it, yes. was, it was a racist state yes it was an outlawed racist state and um, nobody there was a United Nations sanction to say that nobody should do business with it and Ken Bates took Oldham Athletic on a tour there there's a lovely photo of the squad with Ken and uh, Prime Minister Ian Smith who was um, running the place and um, he was he, he hopped from there after things in Oldham got too difficult for him to uh, the Caribbean and um, tried to buy two islands there, or most of two islands there, and establish what was described at the time as a, an apartheid on the island, where all the people who lived there at the time would go and have to live in a small area, and they would be allowed to work on the leisure resort that he was going to build over their beautiful islands the rest of the time. And a man called Noel Lloyd led an uprising um, at considerable personal cost. He was put into jail, and he broke out again, and all kinds of things went on. They ended up building a statue, to Noel Lloyd and uh, sending Ken Bates away with um, a flea in his ear. But one of the things they, that was widely believed was that the, uh, the building materials were going to be sourced from Southern Rhodesia, where, again, international sanctions because it was a racist state that uh, the world would not allow anybody to do business there, apart from Ken Bates. So let me just check then. So we've got, within- just, just, just for record, mate, before we go any further, we've got, so we've got sanctioned state, tour, racist state, went to a country, caused an uprising, mm-hmm. just so we're clear. Mm-hmm. And, and just because just because of what Ken has said in this article, the, the people that he was looking at displacing from this island that he bought, would they would you describe them as um, ordinary people? Yes. Oh, it's, it's weird because he's, he's worried about ordinary people now they're in, they're in Chelsea. Well, yeah. what, he's, what he's worried about, and this is always the case with Ken Bates, is that he just thinks that nobody should do anything to stop anything. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, like if Abramovich wants to buy Chelsea, he can. If he wants to run Chelsea, he can. If um, the fans want to go at games, they can. Absolutely nobody should ever have any implications for ever doing anything ever to stop them from Are doing you what they do. As long as there's Ken, a profit at the end. Ken Bates doesn't like consequences of actions. Because he's saying, because he, he almost has a, a point where he says, you know, why are they doing this with Chelsea when they're not doing it with other clubs? Um, and why isn't the government stopping uh, Russian money from coming into the, the country? But he's not, he's not saying that because he thinks those are a, a, a bad thing and they should be stopped in general. He's saying you shouldn't stop any of it from happening. You should just, it should just be allowed to happen because if people, if the market wants it to happen, then the market should have its will. And that's Ken Bates' world. Not for much longer. Um, right, let's get into the other nominations. Well, uh, we haven't, I mean, we didn't, we didn't get any of the quotes from <laughs> Ken to oh, put it into the oh, proper. Yeah. Um, we we just gave a precis of what he's saying, but um, we we probably should hear it yeah, in his own yeah, words. It's a fair point, yeah. We need to hear from the man. What? Oh, we need a wet mouth. <laughs> don't make it's, it too it's, wet. It's, it, no, it's vital. You need a wet mouth. Yeah, you can, can have it wet your mouth, but don't make it too wet because it does make me feel a bit sick. It does. I don't feel any sympathy for him. Why should I? He's worth seven to eight billion. You can't eat 
steak and chips twice a day, same as me. When you, when you go to your grave, you shroud that in any pockets in it. Thanks, Ken. There you go. I would just say that just when he says translate that, that uh, to English, by the way, when he says that Abramovich eats steak and chips twice a day, the same as him, I think the difference is that Abramovich would use a knife and fork rather than a spoon. <laughs> I don't feel sympathy for him. Why should I? He's worth seven to eight billion pounds, but he can only eat steak and chips twice a day. Same as me. Yeah. This, I mean, it's quite steak a, and chips in the when blender. He, when, he, when he goes to his grave, his shroud won't have any pockets in it. It's a fair point. It's uh, strange. I mean, Olga, <laughs> if that's how you feel, Ken, you're a very rich man, probably still, just about. Not as rich as you've tried to tell anybody, but, you know, you've got the, the Monaco last. Give it all away. Mm-hmm. Can't take it with you. Get it donated to a charity. In fact, or maybe pay back all the people that you spent your entire life on this planet screwing over. St. John's Ambulance still need their money, don't they? The balloon company, all the people that lost out in the administration of Leeds United. All the people that lost out in Leeds United's administration, give them the money back because rather than taking it into your Apart from, obviously, Astor and Crato, who voted to keep him in charge. Yeah. Great bunch of lads, right. Great bunch of lads. Other nominations, there was a lot of doom in the post-Villa meltdown. I mean, like, let's just rattle through these because no one needs to be feeling this misery now after dealing with Ken. Um, everyone got nominations, like every single one of them. Well, this is our, our friend who I mean, bought, I bought TSB plus to rant, sort of sums it all up after Villa nominated the board, the players, Marsh, the season. An outlier. I hate everyone. So that's you included listening to this. Yep. The sport of football was nominated by several. Yep. Fucking football, stupid game, concept of football, probably football. Uh, yeah, all fair enough. The board got a lot of nominations. So did Orta, Marsh himself as well. Yeah, Wisconsin Todd for also does describe him as <laughs> watching Rodrigo and Furpo piss down their own legs, which is a nice way of describing their performance <laughs> in there. Um, yeah, there was there was not a lot of love for anybody. Jesse Marsh was getting a few already. Fucking clueless American Warnock is described as. <laughs> Pound shot pecking bottom as well. Bless him. But it all changed. But it, but it all changed. It did. Yeah, and so after beating Norwich... Um, I became the villain instead. Yeah. What, so, did you, what, what did you do? I can't even remember. You're just um, banging on about Bielsa. Yeah, about Bielsa. But sorry, just going to have to get used to that because he was probably one of the greatest managers the club has ever had. And so I'm not going to move on. Moscow went week. on and on about Bielsa. Give it a rest. Bielsa was too stubborn. The tactics didn't change despite opponents working them out. Apparently refused more players. Everyone said we needed and stuck with underperforming favourites. We definitely should have brought in Van der Beek and Ali, shouldn't we? Moscow, and, take off your rose coloured specs and don't get me wrong. Sorry to see him go, but needed to move on. <laughs> So, I mean, we won't pick on that commentator, but I'd, it's old commentator, but he did so much for us. Yeah. You know, we spent the 16 years we waited to get out of the Premier League. I don't think one bad season in the Premier League compared to that is really worth all that kind of criticism and idea that he was just doing terrible things. The way people, and not just this guy, you see it in, in lots of places around, the way some people talk about him, you think he never, ever did anything good at Leeds. And that's why I will continue to keep the flame burning. It's why people travelled from, Rosario, from there, yeah. Rosario and brought us a shirt and yeah. didn't even get to see him play. <laughs> Came to see Bielsa's leads. Um, and when did he last manage Newell's Old Boys? 1992. So get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> Probably see you through to retirement, won't it? <laughs> if, you've, if you've seen um, Alan Partridge when he walks into, is it, uh, is it Jed, the, his super fan, when he walks mm. into Jed's house and there's a room devoted to him? We could make this room it's just I mean, it's, it's not far for shrines to be else. I don't think we'd be the first. No, no, fair point. On to other more legitimate villains, then Dean Smith gets a few nominations just for, well, turning Norwich into one of his typical mm. typical teams. I'd like they to were, particularly nominate myself as well for his dual haircut, which is still making no sense to me. I wonder what um, Daniel Farker thought when he was watching that performance. <laughs> 
now it, I mean now unemployed because he was he had a job in Russia which he, he never it took charge yeah. of any games did he taking a principled stand to yeah. well, I couldn't stay there any longer it was absolutely awful what was going on and the, the food was also terrible but in this game I, it was very shame it's a real shame to see what Dean's done to them, my lovely boys and uh, all of a sudden that they're, they're laying down and cheating for penalties it's not at all what I taught them they were well brought up boys <laughs> and now they've ruined them that absolute brute of a brummy Rashica gets uh, mentioned for being a weirdly little git looking for a penalty all afternoon. Uh, Max Ahrens as well. Similar sort of vibes. Brandon Williams. Um, Brandon Williams is a proper cheat. He was at Scum when I remember seeing him rolling around and I just went, typical Scum bastard. He had a little go at, uh, he hit Gelhart after the ball as well, after he'd scored. Kind of go, that's when he finally catches up with him. I like how he just sort of bounced off him though, didn't he? Which was great. Ball's in the net, so he tries to knock him over. Too late, too little. Andy Walker, as we discovered, was the co-coms on the international coverage. It wasn't Steve Nickel, but um, it was just a, a different dour Scotsman uh, who was uh, apparently, I mean, I didn't hear it because obviously at the game, but very, very biased according to what everybody who's nominated him. I, I, I don't know where everyone's, uh, we used to have a lot of people watching in America. Yeah. Because it was the NBC feed, wasn't it? Was and, it? and the game wasn't on um, TV in, in the UK, was it? It's all, uh, it's since... Marsh has come in we've, uh, we've attracted immediately a big following in the United States who are just tuning in to see how he's, he's got on so mm. I'm glad they they found us so quickly if we're finishing off the Norwich players as well Tim Krul Jelly nominates him uh, he says Tim Krul is still shouting at Stuart Atwell this morning and remains unbooked which, <laughs> which is a fair point <laughs> I think I mean we've got a few more to get through I do want to put forward Krul I think as a leading candidate here mm. because he had absolutely no right to nearly get an assist um, and he had no right to referee the game you've got both. You've got to remember his contribution to our season, though, because we've not had many wins, and he gifted us one earlier in the season by allowing Rodrigo's piss weak shot. And they got left out by Rafinha, exactly. As well. So maybe he also, to his credit, he did take it pretty well when he did the um, clapping at the cop coming out of the second half thing, and everyone shouted "fuck off." He did have a bit of a laugh and then clapped back about it, which it doesn't make up for it. I, I always feel like, like I always feel like it's good when a keeper joins in with that stuff, though. It is, but it doesn't make up for no, it. No, agreed. Uh, um, just some Norwich specific, I mean, very niche uh, complaints here, but Wisconsin Todd, uh, who is over stateside, Legitly, wants, for real. wants to have a, a beef about Norwich's kit. And I think it's a, it's a fair point. Norwich, unless they are forced to change, should play in yellow and green. And mm. I don't care what their kit manufacturers think they should be playing in or how many shirts they have to shift. Play in your, your normal colours and we'll forgive you. And Wisconsin Todd does point this out. It says uh, Norwich has unique colours um, and I'm partial to green. So accentuate them. There's no need to pronounce me, the you that isn't there. Give me some Coleman's mustard action. Well, I was just going to say, you were doing so well, but then you spelled colours wrong, so you've undermined your own point, Todd. Leave, sorry. Leave Todd be. There was, um, <laughs> in the Wolves, Everton game, obviously it's the blue of Everton against the gold-ish orange of Wolves, and then Jordan Pickford swanning around the goalmouth in a blue and yellow striped jumper. <laughs> jumper. That was Borrowed his dad's jumper. Didn't think that was proper dress for that that game you'd need something to contrast with the two of them not just I think is it the uh, the Brentford keeper as well uh, tends to wear bright pink which is too close in colour to a red and white home striped shirt I think that needs to be addressed it's a scandal they all need to dress properly goalkeepers in green unless your team plays in green in which case you are permitted to wear black because (laughs) if you're Leviashin right yes I don't think anyone is anymore or you would you would wish to emulate him. Uh, Norwich's fans get a bit of stick as well. Uh, there's, I mean, there's some really cliched six finger type jokes here, which we probably don't need to do. <laughs> I do but... enjoy this. As you might as well have had the bit of day on fucking Zoom, which, <laughs> which is a fair point. I mean, it, there can't be much joy in it, can there? 
Patrick Bamford's broken body gets nominated as well mm. for keeping him out of our side because we did look a lot better with him in the side. Feels like you've probably approached that from the wrong angle there, Katie. But um, you know, <laughs> it was it was good to have him back. I think bless him. Yeah, if um, making the point that if he stayed fit, Bielsa might have still been here. But equally, he could say, well, Bielsa, if you just kept him fit and not had him not had him on that bloody training pitch so much, maybe Tom, he would maybe he would be fit. Tom's well pissed off with Victor Orta for having the temerity to experience emotion. Not happy with his tears, crocodile tears. Tom describes them as. Frank Lampard probably can't say those words, um, and uh, yeah, all the reasons we know yeah, about. Thank it. you anyway, Bonnie. Yeah, M. yeah <laughs> entitlement and so on and so forth. Marsh himself <laughs> gets some nominations. Perhaps did they come in sort of between the two games? No, he's um, he's getting a criticism here for trying to shut up shop after mm. an hour, which I think I mentioned in the match ball. I did. I didn't particularly like because yeah. it felt like against a good team, it makes some sense, but it felt like in, against Norwich, just. Just putting up two goals in and lack of options. Do you think maybe they dictated that? Well, it was it was two two steps. He brought uh, Cock on because Rodrigo was injured, but that was about ten minutes before he put him into defence, mm-hmm. wasn't it? So I think it was whether it's cause or effect that the the game Norwich were getting on top, and he felt like he had to. But um, he did at least say it's not something he would normally do. So that's good. We'd rather you know lose by seven. And um, just keep attacking, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, actually, now I'm thinking about what you were just saying. We can't have it, but Bielsa got sacked because he kept attacking <laughs> and didn't pay attention to shutting up shop. And then, as soon as just for like for 15 minutes, we go to three central defenders, well, and that now was, the guy's clueless. That was that was the thing, though. You know, you said you were angry at them, angry, almost angry at the victory in the match ball. Mm. That that was it, wasn't it? it was, we'd, we'd decided to try and shut up shop and it fucking worked. That's yeah. what I was thinking in that. Yeah. You failed, you failed. You brought someone and you went defensive and this is the result. And then three minutes later. And well, then if you've got somebody who won't shut up about Bielsa, they'll be saying, <laughs> well, maybe we should have just kept attacking like uh, Bielsa would have had us, had us doing. But I don't think it was a necessarily a bad decision by Marsh to do that. He's technically doing the right things and you've got to look maybe at, you know, as we said on the match, Bill Cox should have stopped that ball coming across and... Ailing should have watched Pookie before he got that shot in at, um, at Melier at the end. So it's fine margins. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn from Australia there. asks: Is Jesse Marsh the American Sean Dyche? Which is uh, what would a, what would an Australian lovely Sean... <laughs> eye-catching brand of privatized NHS Brexit ball might have won us the game, but at what cost? At what cost? What, uh... what would an Australian Sean Dyche sound like? Australian? Oh mm. no, no, he's American. Glenn's from Australia. Oh. Jesse Marsh is a, is a, is American, isn't he? I think. <laughs> I think I'd still like to hear an Australian Sean Dyche, though. Okay. Um, or, or an American Sean Dyche for that. Uh, right. Australian Sean Dyche. He'd be, is there, he's doing a Warnock oh, style yeah. barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, mate, do you want any? <laughs> Drink. <laughs> We've put you through it today, haven't we? Not uh, enough. Do you want any fucking gravy on your burger? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for that. I enjoyed that. Well done. I think you. Given the pressure, you responded well. Okay. Um, it's quite um, Alf Stewart. <laughs> mm. <laughs> You're flaming galahs. Who is your Ken Bates villain of the week? I want to say Tim Krull. He was quite annoying, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, as the on-pitch representative of Dean Smith, yes. Mm. And isn't he like, I, I, I sort of picture him as all permanently being young and he's, <laughs> uh, he's ruining his own youth before my eyes. I'm not happy about that. How's he doing that? By getting older? Yes. <laughs> okay, fair so enough. So he needs to just go away. Just going to check how old Tim Cruel actually is. 33. 33. Right. Well, he's, he's a young man to me, as Jesse Marsh would say. He's always been around, hasn't he, with the same kind of floppy haircut and stuff. And so to suddenly see that he's refereeing games from 
goalkeeper. It's just not. And he used to be fun. He used to be like, oh, cheeky Tim Krull with the hair and stuff. Well, I've just, noticed, uh, uh, I've just noticed Moscow that he was born in The Hague, Den Haag. So maybe he needs to go back to The Hague and be tried for crimes against football. <laughs> Possibly. Or simply Carlisle, where he spent some time on loan. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that had happened either. I've just got his no. Wikipedia page open. There, but there you go. And Falkirk. Hang on a second. So that Carlisle, 2008-2009, he made nine appearances. Does that coincide with our League One stay? It was always Ashley Westwood playing against us and being the best goalkeeper in the world. I know Ashley Westwood, Kieran Westwood, mm, not yeah. a Burnley midfielder. That no. made no sense. I uh, was there for a, a one-month loan to replace Ben Anik, who had rejoined Spurs. Did we have him on loan? Yeah, for a I think bit? he came to us. Christ, we had so many keepers, didn't we? I'm surprised we never had Tim Krul, to be honest. Mm, anyway, anyway, he's yeah. the villain. Yeah, he's the uh, the Ken Bates villain of the week. On to the Gitano Barardi hero of the week. Let's rattle through these. Then, uh, I mean, there was a lot of doom and the, quite a lot of nobodies. Yeah. were nominated after Villa. It obviously changed a bit post-Norwich. Um, as, as do were nominated as well, obviously ahead of your Tales of Woe. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned in the previous part of the show, yeah, I didn't get to Asda. I actually did get to Asda, but it was the second Asda of trying via a different Tesco. Uh, so they are not having an, either a nomination or a victory here because they are not opening 24 hours anymore. The, sm- the small Asda near me is known as the fucking wank Asda after I was in there once with... <laughs> With my wife and the kids. And you got arrested for and, doing what? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's quite smart. I think it used to be a quick save or something. And there's the big one down at, in, in Castleford. But um, a bloke was trying to get something. And he went, it turns to his wife and went, it's fucking wanking here. <laughs> and that's what it's now known as. My so. local fucking wankaster is, it used to be the local cinema. It was a Netto. And then a Netto got bought out by, by Asda. Well, culture goes and then Asda arrives. What yes. a shame. And it's right opposite of Sainsbury's as well. You know, they're taking over. Anyway, who else? Heroes. I mean, some players were okay, was all anyone could kind of kind of muster from the, the Villa game, with Dan James ailing Dallas, Amelia and Forshaw being picked out for not being terrible for the entire game. And having spent time absolutely ripping into Wolves, both as a place and as a football team, a little while ago, have been nominated for Heroes because they did us a solid by um, beating our relegation rivals. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have given us some help lately and uh, um, further depressing things at Everton was... Uh, was useful uh, and in the uh, in the best style of Moscow clinging on to Bielsa he has had several nominations this week despite having had nothing to do with what's happened over the last seven Both days before uh, after Austin Villa and then again after Norwich in fact some people did still uh, Glenn from Australia again and Jack Barnes both wanted to I think they preferred the style of football that Bielsa played let's put it that way despite the but you know for has Jesse had any nominations for Hero I mean, I mean, you're looking at the post-Villa section still there. No, I'm looking there's at one. the post-Norwich. There's one. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah, there is one. Marvin, I'm going with Marsh to celebrate his first three points. That even almost sounds like a pity nomination, yeah, doesn't it? It is, isn't it? That's, um, that's stark. But I would I would definitely, you know, for all my clingings and uh, love for Bielsa, it was nice to win. It was nice to win, yes. Uh, Mark Viduka saw the worst and the best of Leeds this week because he was over, wasn't he, doing Don Matteo's um, charity event on Friday in between the two games. Uh, he gets a couple of nominations for for being here and for transforming into Nick the Greek's doppelganger from Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. For coming all that way to watch rotten football, Ashley says. Yes. Um, after Norwich, then things got a little bit more positive. Joffe, for his late cameo and and goal, gets loads of nominations. And in Salford, uh, for overcoming a ridiculous formation and 10 bottle jobs managed by a sentient PowerPoint <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Owen oh, Raphael. <laughs> I did quite it enjoy it. doesn't sound like... It doesn't sound like you're praising all of them there, I'll be honest, Andy. I did quite enjoy um, Marsh's sort of retelling of 
the instructions to Joffy when he's sending him on. It's like, just get in the game. And Joffy's like, well, where do you want me to play? So it's like behind the striker. It's like, okay, any other instructions? No, just get out there. And then the, the corner, he said he was turning, saying like, who do you want me to mark? Don't worry about it. It's almost like Gelhart was bringing more tactical nous to stoppage time. Like try to say to Jesse, we know Jesse likes feedback from the players, but I think this is maybe a little bit too much where, um, yeah, we've got, we got a plan here. Just get out there. I enjoyed his uh, celebration because there was such purity in it, such joy. He didn't know what to do, did he? Like he started running away and then I think the magnitude of what had just happened hit him and then he started sort of screaming and flapping his arms around. Then that evolved, I'm going to knee slide now. And as we've said before on this show, you need to be really careful with your knee slide because if you don't lean back, your knees tend to hit the turf and you go face first, which happened to him. But he styled it out and then got back up and then got mobbed, which I thought was amazing. It was a great celebration, though. Mm, yeah. I, I, I want to see this celebration from a last-minute winner. I don't want to see someone trying to look cool or doing a pre-planned thing. Are you thinking of that knobhead over at Old Trafford? Like, imagine doing that last minute, going, see, when everyone's taking fuck mm. off. Yeah, exactly. I noticed actually in the West Ham game, there was I've, I've not actually seen a, seen a video of it, so I'm, I'm going purely on a photo, but it was Yamalenko had scored and was obviously very moved by it and the players were around him. And then at the side, like an absolute knobhead, Ben Rama looked to be doing his own little celebration. He was like doing, he looked to be in a pose doing some pre-planned thing. And it's like, not now. Here, here's my gold watch. It's his, it's yeah. his gold. Great dance for Ukraine. Look at my wealth. I would, uh, just going back to, because uh, Katie had obviously nominated Pat's broken body as a villain. You'd think after the Brentford fiasco with Bamford's legs, he would have learnt that sprinting full pelt up the touchline in flip-flops is maybe not the best way to keep your legs in uh, in good condition, I I I fear I was actually um, in the midst of it all. I remember seeing him seeing him come in and thinking, "Oh God, Pat, no!" Just if anybody needed to just sit down at that moment, it was him. But then the uh, also noticed it was nice to see how happy Charlie Creswell was mm-hmm. first in the celebration, but then at full time he was right in front of me and he just turned to the crowd and was like jumping in the air. And I think a lot of it was. Not just the win, but I think he's delighted for his little mate or his big mate, depending on Joffy's relative. I will say size. this: you've got to be careful about what you do in like either it was sliders or flip flops, wasn't it? That he was wearing. Obviously, you want to take the pressure off your feet, especially as he's had the torn muscle in the bottom of his foot. You need to be careful. Have you ever done? Have you ever put your bins out late one night and you've done it in sliders? They're by the front door. I'll just mm. stick them on. I'll go wheel the bins out to the front, and you've run over your foot. Have you ever done that? Not run over my foot. I'm yeah, not an idiot. I've done that. Well. Just, just caught a toe. I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> it's not fun. I'm just saying, just be careful. The dangerous things, the old... What's um, the difference between a slider and a flip-flop? Your flip-flop tends to have a thing, a thing between the toe, doesn't I, it? I yeah. agree. They used to be the same thing. They, they would have both been classed as a flip-flop at one stage. Whether, yeah. or, whether or not it's, it just goes over your foot, or there's a bit between the toes. But yes, sliders now. Some mm. subsets of toeless footwear. Anyway, yeah. who cares? Wandering around Bradford in flip-flops. I'll chase you with a stick. <laughs> Anyway. To go, as you would say, in hobnail boots, just to just to ensure your feet are safe. Right, on to other nominations. Then Rafinha for, uh, well, for just being brilliant and the the assist, I dare say, and his desire. Ben is putting it both ways, saying he nominated him as villain on Thursday, wants to level it out at the fire back. And um, the, can't fault the free kick, can't really fault that one that hit the bar, which was a great cross from Bamford as well. And then the assist is, I think because of the euphoria of it all, breaking down the assistancy and just how good it was. And especially because Joffy's getting the credit as well for starting it with his forward header. But um, Rafinha still had to win it ahead of that admittedly useless defender. Um, <laughs> and then the composure and the skill. And just occurred to me, Rafinha's going to score on Friday. 
just occurred to me just then. He's like, due one. He's building up to one, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Uh, Jackie gets a nomination because he turned into a son of a bitch overnight, as requested by Jesse Marsh. Yeah, the pitch bitch himself. He seemed he seemed to actually um, subdue Max Ahrens, who was having a, a bit of joy down that side. He seemed to like push him back a little bit, didn't he, when he came but, uh, throw-ins. Yeah, li- literally shoving him back down the line. But that was, again, because the ref was not making him take them from the right place. If the yeah. ref had just said, yeah, take it like 20 yards back, mm-hmm. Jackie wouldn't have had to try and do it for him. Melier for his involvement in the celebration and his last gasp save, I think, should not be underestimated. I mean, he covered a lot of ground again, much like against Swansea in the away game. Mm-hmm. If you've seen the wide-angle footage of that that's on YouTube, Melier does a world record sprint across just, the length of that pitch. Just missing a Berardi, wasn't it? The celebration. Could have knocked Joffrey Joff- Joff- clean out. But I dare, <laughs> I, I dare say Gitano was watching that, probably, mm. um, from his new Swiss-Italian base, and would have responded appropriately, yeah. given that there were women and children probably in the house. But... Um, you know. I know that's excessive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, Melier also needs a little um, for his interview with Bryn Law after the game as well, where he's uh, um, looks so unbelievably. It's not smug, but just uh, his acknowledgement that he saved it with his face is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And this is yeah, the, the face, the chest, the hands. It's a save. It's important, and it is. Uh, you know, he doesn't get the full credit because it just got smacked into his face. But it's good goalkeeping to stand up arms wide he'd done everything he could to be in a position to stop whatever Pookie was going to do and you know we've had goalkeepers that you know was Viedval going to save that no so it, even if Pookie had hit it straight at him it probably would have hit his face and he would have gone into the net with it and you know I don't want to pick on old Felix because I, I liked him just not for his goalkeeping his, his biscuit wrists yeah um, I liked I, him as a person just thinking about the um, the Matthew that's excessive video that, that's the when the second Huddersfield goal went in against West Brom in the promotion season that brilliant video that's done the rounds Matthew that's excessive my wife's kind of turned that back on me because I watched the video of Joffy scoring it must be a good at least a hundred times genuinely a hundred times since that went in and she's kind of owned it and swung it back on me and she's going like Daniel that's excessive and she knows it's funny and that's annoying she's got that over me now so she nominated Nah. Oh, we're doing heroes now, aren't we? Sorry. Yeah. It's too late. <laughs> if we're doing other players, then um, I quite like uh, Jelly's nomination for Rodrigo, who says that if Pogba is worth 90 million, then Rodrigo is worth 300 million. Arguably our best signing and another heroic performance. Having him in the side is like playing with 12 men, and I've never doubted him for even one second. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, I think we all agree with that. That's a, a good, uh, fine nomination for a fine player. Uh, who else we got Dan James yeah little scum bastard doesn't stop he's like yeah. a small dog going batshit and running around a park occasionally nipping at other bigger dogs fair point that great is, description uh, Tom making that point and um, Frank Lampard gets a nomination from Monterey White because um, uh, what he's doing to Everton is hilarious yes essentially that's what it comes down to nobody wants to spy on crybaby Lampard's training because there's no point really a lot to be said for this one we heard from Wisconsin Todd who let himself down by spelling colour wrong earlier on only um, in your mind nope objectively speaking I did I've, I've had this this um, really crap low level we've got another manager who can't sp- uh, speak English which is ironic because I've just tripped up trying to say it myself and uh, we've got another manager who can't speak English ho 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 etc joke running around for my head for weeks now but it's not going to get externalised because I've just ruined it now Wisconsin Todd yeah is saying about the crowd was scared to death it would be toxic after Thursday's meltdown, but even from afar on TV, you got the sense that it was a cauldron in the best sense of the words. Our fans are the best. And yet, if you weren't there, if you're not able to get to Ellen Road, if you've never been, that moment, that three minutes, 
was like a lifetime of watching Leeds United in that in a three minute spell. The the drama. Well, I've made a happy ending. The noise. <laughs> yeah. If the, 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 it would have been more like proper Leeds United if that pooky chance had no. gone yeah. in. Now, no, but Michael, every now oh, and again, fucking nothing. Every now and again, we have these beautiful <laughs> moments, and we should embrace them. It does. Ha- sometimes it does happen. It does. It has happened like once. Do you think if Pookie had scored, we would have scored again? Yeah. And then they'd have equalised again. <laughs> Just keep going. They're still playing like, now. These penalty shootouts that are now going into the 20s or whatever it is. Yeah, it was It was amazing. that um, And the, the finish as well. Now, I'm not a massive fan of playing, uh, I predict, a riot at full time. I'd rather they played either marching on together or something like that. I'll just let the crowd sing because it would have been amazing. But just in that one particular moment, it really seemed to fit the moment. I don't know. Yeah, it seemed to work. I think it is. That's one of the things that stands us in good stead for not getting relegated is the comparison with um, Goodison. All through this season, if you think of how badly we've been beaten in some of the games and even the narrow ones that were just completely disappointing, Elland Road has just been like, it's almost like we're happy to be watching the team again. I don't know if the year off. The Villa um, game, not so much. Until that point. but So we've had one, but Everton's been like that all season. I mean, they were, they were hanging death threats outside the wrong house for their new manager at the start before it had even kicked off. And the one thing Everton had going for them when they beat Brentford in Lamp, Lampard's first game and then us in his second home game, but then got smacked at Newcastle in between because they couldn't deal with the Geordie atmosphere, even though Frank told them to, was that Goodison will be their <laughs> fortress and everything's going to be fine. But now Goodison absolutely hates them and so they haven't even got that anymore. Whereas Villa, even Villa, compared to the vitriol you get in the Premier League over nothing in some grounds, I think was remarkably restrained. Yeah. And we've, we've had 50, as you were just saying there, we've had 15 home games now. And I think it's the only one where I can remember it really turning. Yeah. And even only then for a time, you know, like it was just the end, that outpouring of frustration when it had gone completely tits up. And, and then to come back three days later and you didn't really feel like there was any kind of hangover from it as Todd is saying that um, it wasn't toxic. It was just everyone was ready to go again. It would have been interesting. There wasn't really time for it to, uh, for anything to happen after the equaliser. It was just kind of like a general howl. Um, it was awful. For that couple of minutes, It the, the sinking realisation of what this meant and we were yeah. saying on the match ball when we were kind of, you started to bargain with yourself it's the bargaining stage of grief mm. where you think well well actually you know she lived a good life she had a good innings and all that kind of thing but it was it, it was it was awful that moment where you thought we've fucking done it again we've blown it again this is so typically Leeds but it was so brief that it was never it never got externalised did it you, no. there was no time for anybody to really properly you know start a Bielsa chant or anything like that so and then Joffy saved the day it was amazing with Rafinha's help it was amazing that's why I, I mean one of the primary reasons why I hope we stay up is so that we can all just kind of be less fractious with each other and he like it sounds wanky but heal again because as you last. as you said no of course it never does with it's football does it? but you said like last summer Michael when we spoke to Angus Kinnear it felt like peacetime at Ellen Road when we when we came and up they and they didn't we, buy a fucking midfielder did they no. <laughs> no, and, and I'd like to get back to that state again because it is possible we can get there you know and broadly hang it all together um, I get the feeling it's a bit of a myth that though because thinking back to the, the championship days Saying if we get into the Premier League, we'll be happy if we just finish 17th every season. No, we're not, are we? And then you look at what finishing 17th is actually like. Nobody likes it. Nobody is happy <laughs> with awful, it. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah. And the, the, you know, the manager gets sacked, the players get, you know, abused, everybody's miserable. And we've managed to keep it 
um, under control in the stadium, but, you know, social media is a pit. And so people tell themselves these things like, oh, we'll be happy just to, to finish 17th. But when it comes down to it, everybody just loses the bottle anyway. So <laughs> 17th is an uncomfortable chair and I don't want to sit in it. <sighs> no, no. Let's wrap up these nominations and pick a hero then. Um, Bryn Law for his Bryn Law orgasm. Lots of people enjoying that. Very good. Yes. Dorigo's input's always good on this as well. They're a, good, they're a great comment. It is worth saying, because rarely in this business does anybody just say, do you know what? You're doing a really good job. There's always got to be some angle, and we, we tend to be not very sincere in this country, do we? There's always, <laughs> we have to take the piss out of each other. They're fucking great at it, and Bryn Law's so good at his job, because it's not easy. What, uh, what is Adam Pope not doing that you don't that you like? you don't like not putting the clips out on social they're on social they're quite difficult you have to go through BBC sounds and all that stuff he didn't do a bad job on his whole commentary and he had uh, he had Matt Kilgallen next to him sounding like he was having a a real panic (laughs) (laughs) all you can hear is uh, so Popey does you know I'd put a piece of paper between him and and Bryn for uh, quality of commentary in that moment I think they both did a good job Tony Dorigo maybe held it together a little bit more better because all you can hear really in the background from Matt Kilgallen is kind of uh, shrieking and whimper, whimpering. <laughs> Which is what I was doing to be fair. Yeah, so he captured that uh, that quite well and I feel, uh, you know, we need to give Popey a little bit of uh, sympathy because he's an Everton fan and they're going down. So, <laughs> And he's going to have to commentate on the joyous scenes as Leeds stay up. Yeah, so something for him as he's just checking his phone to see how, how, how badly, uh, and he's got Lampard as manager so there's, Adam's got a lot to deal with at the moment so I thought just credit where that's due as well, even it all up. So, who's your hero of the week then? Because it's a tough, tough start, good finish. It's Joffy. Of course, it's Joffy. Of course, it is. He's, he's limited minutes. He's putting them to good use this season. Three minutes of pleasure, etc. Insert your own punchline. He's a child, man. He's not. He's, he's a bloody adult. Well, I think we should move tell on. Tell it from to that. the judge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been a nice. Uh, he's had a nice moment. He's delivered a nice moment for us. And I know it's a moment we're going to remember for years to come particularly because we won the game and like again you know versus the scum equalizer moment and that that spell was amazing but ultimately it led to a defeat whereas this led to a victory and quite an important one I quite like I've just noticed joy on Bridal's comment that they sent in oh well let me think Joffy yeah <laughs> yeah fair point and he gets most nominations as well so thank you Joffy more more of the same please breadman Joffy he hit it into the net <laughs> do you think he's managed to escape the rat wizard tag that was sent in on on the feedback at some point earlier in the season. I mean, he, the size of a jump on him. He needs to be kangaroo? Yeah. Flea? I don't know what we call him. <laughs> he can he can get a mini for him to jump over at the next game. That's what oh, I'm that's saying. a good idea. It's a great idea. He's, he's We've bound, not been taking any risks with injuries this <laughs> season, have we? Clatter through the window. <laughs> Shred his Achilles on it or something. Don't jump over a mini. Rob Price, back of the West End, head in hands. <laughs> Minis minis are a lot bigger than they used to be as well, aren't they? They've uh, they've really grown over the years. They are, they are. Right, um, let's wrap it up there then. Thank you for watching, thank you for listening. We will speak to you uh, in the wake of the Wolves victory and the Phil Hay Show's coming later this week. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.